powerful message in that song, Were It Not For Grace, Where Would You And I Be? Where Would We Be? Today we continue following the footsteps of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Today those steps take us to a dinner party that Jesus was invited to, hosted by a Pharisee by the name of Simon. As they were enjoying the dinner party, an unusual guest shows up and stands at the feet of Jesus and shows her love and gratitude in a unique way. Luke chapter 7, I'm going to read verses 36 to 50. Follow along in your scripture. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. She kissed his feet and anointed him with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven you. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Father, I pray that God, the story of Jesus forgiving this woman and her heart of gratitude just poured out to him would help us all to be grateful for what Jesus has done for us. I pray in his name. Amen. Let's look at the setting of this story in verses 36 to 39. There was a meal at a Pharisee whose name was Simon. And Simon invites Jesus to dinner. Why would he do that? 
Most likely, it's because he wanted to watch Jesus to see if he could find something whereby to condemn Jesus or to trick him in some way. Because the Pharisees mostly had, had by this time, turned against Jesus because he had forgiven sinners and he's healed people and, and he had rebuked them several times. So he probably invites Jesus to come to this dinner party somehow to catch him and to trick him in some way. While Simon invited Jesus to eat at his house, it was not so that he could learn anything from him because he was already satisfied as a Pharisee with his knowledge of the law. So Jesus went along with him. Hey, Pharisees need the Lord too, so let's, uh, let's see what we can do. Simon did not have any desire to honor Jesus because later on in the story you see what Jesus said to Simon. It indicates that uh, Simon didn't even bother to give him any kind of acts of kindness that were traditional among the Jews. It was the custom of the day when one had a dinner party to provide for the guest's feet to be clean before the meal because the roads during that time were not paved and they were all dirty and everyone just wore sandals and so it was customary to wash the feet of the guests, usually the slave of the house or the youngest child would provide this act of courtesy. In our day, it would be like uh, someone coming up to your door and you would say, welcome, and you would shake their hands, perhaps take their coat or offer them a glass of iced tea or say, why don't you sit over here uh, while I go and put the dog in the kennel or something like that. It would be a way of showing kindness. It was just general courtesy of that day. To omit this washing of the feet thing would be a breach of etiquette and an act of unkindness. And that's the way it started. Well, in those days, the formal dinner parties, especially of rich people, often took place in an open courtyard. It's not behind of closed doors or anything like that. You would go out there and, and you would have the dinner party. And the neighbors uh, would probably just kind of stand around and look. I don't know if you've got any neighbors like that, that when you have something going on, they're just kind of peeking out their door and seeing what's going on with the neighbor's house. But that was common uh, things like that. There was no barriers or anything. But this uninvited guest... Uh, would come up, this lady would come up, and she didn't crash the party, you might say. Uh, she wasn't invited. As a matter of fact, women were not invited to these kind of dinner parties, but she invited herself as a spectator. Notice the arrival of this sinful woman. Now, as this dinner party was probably in a courtyard, this woman comes in, and since everything is open, they entered into this banquet hall, and she is going over at the feet of Jesus. Now, uh, they did not have the kind of tables that we have. As you go into a restaurant, you, they have booth or table, you know. Well, there's a third category. It was probably about this high. And you would get down on your knees and recline 
folks, I'm not going to do that, you know, because if I do, you, somebody might have to come up and get me up. But that's how they would eat back then. They would, they would just recline at these low tables, and uh, I guess you're closer to the food. If it falls there, you could get it pretty quick. I don't, I don't understand what the purpose of that, but that's how they ate. Well, this woman, as Jesus was there at the table, she just went right behind him. And her emotions were broken. She was weeping. As she wept, her tears fell on Jesus' feet that were sticking out from, from the table. And she, she would just be weeping there. And it was a, a guest. She wasn't a guest at all. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls her. She's not a member of the family. She's not um, a, a member of the Ladies' Missionary Association. She's not a Sunday school teacher. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls her a sinner. And it says she was a woman of the city. And there is something, when you combine that with the phrase, she's a sinner, perhaps it would be similar to calling her a woman of the streets who was a sinner. Perhaps she was involved in prostitution. This uninvited woman comes in begins to do some things at the feet of Jesus. And every eye is on her. And you can just hear the whispers coming in. I know her. She, she works down at the corner over there. I see her all the time. She's a very busy person. And she's got this reputation in the town. And she has the audacity. What in the world is Jesus going to do? He probably knows who she is. And she's here. And she's touching his feet. Scandal and whispers are in that dinner party. Now, what is she doing here has probably been said more than once. Now, just to understand, a lot of times we get confused with Bible stories. Now, there was a separate incident that happened at Martha, Mary, and Lazarus' house where Mary anointed the feet of Jesus also. This is a different situation. This woman is no Mary, you know. She's, she's not a, a, a good person or anything. She's, uh, she was forgiven, but she's, she's a sinner. Nor is it Mary Magdalene. A lot of times we think that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. The Bible does not say that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says she was possessed by seven demons. So don't think of this person being Mary Magdalene or Mary of Bethany. So just, I believe this woman, as she comes in, she is weeping. Why is she weeping? I believe it's because she was already forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ. She's already saved. If you get a harmony of the Gospels, and you would read that this incident right here in Luke chapter 7, it follows what happened in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus is teaching, and he says this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you find rest unto your souls. I believe that woman heard that phrase, and she was saved. She was forgiven of her sins before she came to the dinner table. I, I would imagine that what she had been forgiven of, she was just trying to find Jesus, and she, she just heard he was 
at this dinner party of this Pharisee. He said, well, I, I know it's, I shouldn't be going in there, but I've got to go. I've got to be there to tell him and to express my gratitude and my thankfulness for what he's done for me. Well, this is her. She's there at the feet of Jesus. Well, of course, you hear the next thing is the skepticism of the Pharisee in verse 39. Now, Simon doesn't say this out loud. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him, meaning Jesus, saw this woman, he spoke to him saying, himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Well, this guest shows up, this person shows up, and he's, she's weeping, and she's touching Jesus' feet, and, and all of this, and Simon was probably embarrassed, mostly for himself and for the rest of the guests, that this woman of the streets has the audacity to be in his house doing this. And, and this woman had broke through this, this barrier of public scorn. I wonder, just, just as a side note here, I wonder if someone like that would show up in church. <laughs> what would we do? <laughs> would we uh, say, well, <laughs> we really don't want your kind in here, so please uh, kind of sit in the foyer if you want to, to be there and, and uh, make sure you don't uh, uh, make any expression. I believe this is a place where sinners need to be, don't you? The the, the church is a hospital for the broken, not a country club for the spiritually elite. You wouldn't have a nurse standing at the, at the drive-thru at the ER saying, oh, you're too sick to come in here. No. We, we need to have this open invitation for anyone who wants to hear the Word of God, who is in need, who's broken, who needs to hear the Scriptures. We need to allow them to come. Well, Simon said, she is a sinner, but what about him? He was a sinner too, but he was blind to his own sins. Well, at this point, Jesus is seeing what's going on, and he, of course, knows the thoughts of his host. He knows that he's thinking, this woman's too, too dirty to come into my house and too sinful to come into my house. So Jesus tells this parable. In Luke 7, verses 41 to 42, Jesus says this. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Now, a denarius was what you would get as a day labor. One denarius a day. That was basic pay in the Roman times during this thing. 500 denarii would be about two years pay. But 50 would be two months' pay. Both of these guys owed, owed the creditor this amount, and the, they didn't have any way to pay back. And so the, the guy said, just forget it. I mean, I'm going to write this debt off. And then Jesus makes an application. And he says, um, he says to them, which one would for love him more? And then Simon says in verse 43, I suppose the one whom he forgave more, and he said to him, you have rightly judged. 
Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. She has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. The parable does not deal with the amount of sin, but with an awareness of that sin in their heart. How much sin must a person commit to be a sinner? Just only one. Simon and the woman were both sinners. Simon was guilty of sins of the spirit, especially pride. The woman was guilty of sins of the flesh. Her sins were known. Simon's were known only to God. But Simon was just as spiritually bankrupt as the woman, and he just didn't realize his own sinfulness. This woman is giving expressions of gratitude. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, see this woman? And then he says, she continued to wash my feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. I have to find this man, this woman said, who washed away all my sins. She carried with her this alabaster flask of fragrant perfume. She finds Jesus and stands behind him and as he's reclining at the table and she is weeping and she's just got to express her gratitude and she does it by three ways. First of all, she washes his feet with her tears. She's broken, repentant, kneels down, and wipes them with her own hair. And, of course, the hair was a symbol of glory for a woman, but she simply used her hair to wipe his, his dirty feet that were covered with, with uh, the dirt, and then her tears. She wiped them and cleaned them. She kissed his feet. Simon didn't give Jesus a kiss of greeting, which would be a, a handshake, but this woman kept kissing his feet in gratitude for her changed life. And then she anointed his feet with this fragrant oil, this perfume, this alabaster flask that she had. This, of course, no doubt, was probably one of the tools of her trade. She would anoint her body before she would meet some guy, and now she pours this on his feet, says, I'm not going to need this anymore. I'm just going to pour it out to Jesus and just express to him how grateful I am now that she has washed his feet and dried them with her hair and poured the perfume on them, she kisses them and kisses them and kisses them again. Her tears, her humble attitude, her expensive gift are all speak of a changed life. Now we see Jesus saying something. Verses 47 to 50. First of all, she has been forgiven. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Her sins are forgiven. She says that again to her in verse 48. Your sins are forgiven. They have been forgiven. Now this is probably uh, something that she had already had before she got there. She's just now giving gratitude to the Lord for what he has done from a heart washing. Now the guests see this happening and they question them. And those sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? 
They couldn't believe it. How can this man forgive sins? And that question continues to, to be spoken of by those that uh, met Jesus during this time. But then he says something else to her in verse 50. Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And that phrase, go in peace, is a beautiful word. It literally means go into peace. She had been forgiven, and now she's free. And she is just expressing her praise and her gratitude to the Lord. This town labeled her as a sinner, but the Pharisee called her a sinner, and Jesus gave her a new identity. She is forgiven and free. I heard a story several years ago about a schoolhouse, a one-room schoolhouse. Anybody ever go to a one-room schoolhouse? I see, I see those gray heads. I see some of, <laughs> some of you. Well, this was in Virginia, and it was, uh, it was a tough. The boys in that school were very tough, and they had a hard time keeping a teacher. And so this uh, young teacher decided that apply for the job, and he went up there, and they hired him. And the big boys in the class, the eighth graders, uh, saw this scrawny little teacher and says, well, guys, I don't need any help. I can lick this teacher by myself. His name was Tom. He says, I, I can take care of him. And, and the teacher said, boy, if I don't get control of this school, I'll, I'll not be able to. And, and then he, he thought of something. Okay, class, we got to get started. But before we get started, we got to have some rules in this school. I'm going to ask you, what kind of rules do you think that we ought to have? And the student says, well, that sounds pretty good. One hand raised, no cheating. And then another says, no stealing. And then another says, be on time. And then for, after a while, they had 10 rules that they wrote on the blackboard. Remember blackboards too? I, 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 some of you are old enough to remember that. They, they had these 10 rules up there on the blackboard. And then the teacher says, okay, a rule is not going to be any good unless we have a punishment. <laughs> and then one, one, uh, one boy said, if they break one of these rules, beat him 10 times across his back without his shirt on. That's back when they whipped kids in school. And so the teacher went on and they started class and things were going pretty well until there was a day when this older Tom in class said, teacher, somebody stole my lunch. And this is, oh boy, we got to find out. And they found, they asked around and they, they found out it was the scrawniest kid in the school. His name was Little Tim. And Little Tim came up and, and said, teacher, I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. I, I was hungry, and my mom didn't fix me anything, and I, I, I'm sorry. And he said, well, he saw his stick was in his hand. His rod was in his hand. He says, how in the world can I whip this kid? And then the teacher says uh, to the little Tim, he says, Tim said, okay, teacher, you can lick me, but please don't make me take off my coat. He says, well, I'm sorry. That's the rules. You got to take off your coat. And he took off his coat, and he didn't have a shirt on. And he says, I only have one shirt, and my mom had to give it to, had to uh, wash it today, and I'm wearing my brother's coat. 
And then the teacher began to, I can't lick this kid. And so if he was going to keep the class, he had to do it. So he took the stick and he started hitting this boy across uh, the back and he's, he couldn't do it. And the biggest guy, the one that had his lunch stolen, said, hey, teacher, forget it. You know, can I take his punishment for him? Well, look at the rules. There's no rule against that. And they do it sometimes. So Tom took off his shirt and the teacher began to hit Tom on the back and the stick broke and the class was crying and little Tim grabbed big Tom around his legs and said, I'll love you forever for taking my licking for me. Folks, that's what Jesus did. He took the punishment for our sins on his own body. And this woman in the story came to Jesus' feet just to say, thank you. Have you thanked him lately? You know, the Bible talks about our forgiveness. Have you had the weight of your sins lifted? The guilt of your sins forgiven? And the filth of your sins washed away? If you have, you should be right there at his feet praising him. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ears, the sweetest name on earth. It tells me of his Savior's love who died to set me free. It tells me of his precious blood, the sinner's perfect plea. It tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe, who in each sorrow bears a part that none can bear Below, sing with me. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first love me.